I wish I could say this morning, first of all, to this church, um, I've been here well over 20 years, I was one years old, and this has been home, and it will always be home for me, and uh, I've had some of the most tremendous things happen here. I'm thankful for my family, my parents being here, I, I truly appreciate them so much, and thank you to Brother and Sister Gandy. I would not be here if it was not for their ministry 20 years ago and their continuous prayers for me and what they've done for me. I, I'm i a little hesitant this morning because I don't want to mess up what God's already done. And so I'm just going to talk a little bit about, about what I feel here at, in this moment. There's moments in time that are, are divine, they're divine intervention. It's when God steps into time and time uh, um, separates itself from humanity. When God wrote himself in flesh, it was a divine appointment. It was destined to happen, but it was un um, it was unnatural. It was not what God had ever attended. And there's moments this morning, just like the moment that just happened, that God steps in, in the midst of chaos, and in the midst of, 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 of literal chaos in your life, and he's just trying to speak a word. And this morning, as I was, I was walking around, and I, I was really... I, I almost, told, I almost didn't want to speak this morning because I didn't want to ruin what God's done. But God has moments in these places for your life that when it becomes dry, when it becomes barren, that he's trying to speak into your life. Because see, when, when Israel left Egypt, they were on the other side of the Red Sea. And we talk and we preach about it and we, we shout about on the going through the water, which is a symbol of baptism. And we, we talk about being led by the Spirit in the wilderness and that's the Holy Spirit. And we, we've got that down. But the problem is we don't talk about what happens on the other side of the Red Sea. Because on the other side of the Red Sea, there's bitter waters. Exodus 16 tells us that. It also tells us that they get thirsty again. And see, we get so consumed with this mystic idea that when we come into the church, life gets better and everything goes away. And it really doesn't. It doesn't go away. I've learned in my 20 years of living that sometimes life gets worse on this side of the Red Sea. Because see, in Egypt, they knew what they were going to eat. They knew they were going to have water. They knew exactly what they were going to be doing. There was no uncertainty. But when you got to this side of the Red Sea, when you've walked through the water, you've been led by the Spirit, now there's an uncertainty. Now there's a provision that's needed. And so Israel looks back at at Moses and looks back at God and says, Did you call us here to die? Did you call us here to be left alone and feel abandoned? I thought you were the one who brought us out of Egypt. See, they, they knew they, they were supposed to be going to Canaan. That was the promise. It had been given unto their fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You're going to have Canaan. But they spent 430 years in Egypt. And in 430 years, they lost something. Because the children of Israel at that moment, when they left Egypt, thought that the wilderness was their final destination. Somewhere in 430 years, they lost the promise. Whether it was because their parents never taught them. And let me say this, Sunday school is the, one of the most important things to me because I am a product of Sunday school. And, and, and let me put a plug here. My mom was very adamant that we were going to Sunday school. And it started at 9.30. And we got there because it was important. And we did our homework. 
you learned your Bible verse, and it was not just we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna cut papers. No, I'm telling you, I was five years old when I got the Holy Ghost. I was five years old when I got baptized in there. That was because there was a sister Darla teaching me at five years old that I had to repent and be baptized. Every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of your sins, and you shall receive to get the Holy Ghost. I can tell you, at five years old, there were people twice my age, people twenty and thirty years old, who looked at me and said, "Don't get baptized." He doesn't know what he's doing. And can I guarantee you something? They're not even here. Because when you begin to sow a seed, it's a seed that's going to grow. And when you sow the word of God, expect it to grow because it's alive and well. That's why Sunday school is important. And that's why adult Sunday school is even more important. Because when I left here and I came here, I realized that there were still gaps in my knowledge. Now there was a depth that I needed. And that's what it provides. And that's free. Brother Gannon, he didn't ask me to say that. But the truth is, is that they got through there and they lost it. It was not passed down from generation to generation. And so they get to the other side of the Red Sea and they're like, this is it. Because they had lost what God had given them. And there are some of you this morning that you've gone through the Red Sea and you've, you've got everything maybe worked out and you're on this side and now you're looking at your life and saying, my life still's a mess. I still have chaos. I still don't have all the answers. I don't have enough. And now you're angry at God when God's saying, this isn't where I've called you. This isn't where the story ends. If you would just have faith long enough to know that my hand is still. God told them. He asked them, does my hand wax short? Am I not God? He spoke to Isaiah and Isaiah. He said, there's no other God like me. There's no one else that can provide. There's no one else that can give. There's no one else like me. So the children of Israel are spending their lives miserable because they don't understand who they are because they don't understand who God is. Because God became just another name. They didn't even know they were Israel because if they knew they were Israel, they would have known they were promised Canaan. And so God had to spite a whole generation because they refused to accept the fact that God had given you something bigger. Some of you, some of us walk around so uh, uh, just bound by things saying, I don't have this, I don't have that. When you better understand that the God you serve is bigger and he's mightier. That sickness does not stay. That you serve a God who is a healer, a provider. So when sickness comes, you can still say, yes, I've got bitter water, but my God is a healer and my God is a deliverer. When I'm walking through storms and there is chaos around me, God spoke and said, peace be still and the waves come. That's the God you serve. It's not just some mystic idea. It's the God you serve. And when you begin to get the revelation of the God you serve, you get the revelation of who you are. He said in Acts 2, ye shall receive power. Power. And so they're sitting on the other side of the Red Sea and they're bitter and they're angry at God and God spites a whole generation. And then they come to Canaan. And there's still this idea. The reason I'm convinced that many of us live to half our potential or never get into Canaan is because we allow others to tell us who our God is. I've met people in churches all across this country who do not believe exactly what God says. And at times we've become wounded because we lost faith. I don't come to church for people. I don't come to church for to 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 have people pat me on the back. I come here because I'm here for him. 
And as moments, and, and, and as I, I've gotten so much older, I, I've realized the lack of faith that we possess. And I've cried so many times, God, I don't understand why this is happening. God, I, I, I don't see where you are in the midst of my storm, God. I don't see where I'm going. I don't see you, God. But it's in those moments that I have to take a step back and say, God, but your word says. My greatest thing is, and this is my personality, is I love confirmation. Whether it's, you can ask my mom, a tone of voice speaking to me says a lot. It really does. You could say, okay, and that's different than okay. That's much different to me. And so I've had to find myself saying, God, I'm struggling. And God says, but my word says. But my word says. And so Egypt and Israel are paddling because on this side of the Red Sea, there's still problems. There's still issues. But the difference is that God says, I didn't call you to leave you here. I think the greatest detriment to Christianity is not that we don't teach everything perfectly. I think it's that we lack teaching of the cross. Because we teach the cross as though it's a one-time thing. I wish I could say I was perfect. As your music director, I wish I could say that I've done everything perfect and I've never had to go to God and ask for forgiveness, but I would be lying. We refuse to accept that the cross was for every person. And not just for every person, it was for every time. Because the, the blood still flows from Calvary. It still flows in spite of what you're going through. It flows in spite of who you are. Because Jesus died on a cross, not just for the, for the, the, the filthy and, the, and the, the prostitutes. Jesus died for the church person who's sitting on a pew and still battling. He still died for that person. I've sat and talked with a lot of people my age and, 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 and they've they've given me insight into to what it what it's like to go to a non apostolic church, and you wouldn't believe. They preach Jesus the cross every Sunday. Sometimes I don't hear the cross preached at hyphen rallies, youth rallies. I think sometimes we preach the supernatural, the supernatural, but the greatest supernatural because I can go to heaven sick, but if my heart's sick, I won't make it to heaven. I can go to heaven missing an arm and wounded. I can't make it. And this morning as I begin to pray and I, I really begin to ask God, God, what do you want for this service? God, what do you want to tell someone? He's saying this side of the Red Sea, my blood still flows. My mercy and my grace do not run out. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter your name, the God you serve, the one who went up on a cross, the one who robed himself in flesh, the one that caused a divine intervention in history, said, I'm going to do it one more time. I'm going to do it on a Sunday morning because there's something for your life. And Israel lives to half their potential for hundreds of years Because they lost the promise. 
they lost who God had spoken to them. And because of that, their children live in bondage. Because of that, they're never healed. I've met many people who walk into these, these, these doors and I see them Sunday in and out. And as I'm playing music and I'm looking across, they're weighted down because you don't understand the God you serve. Now I'm not talking about monetary value. I'm not talking about miracles. I'm talking about a love. A love. I've spent past several months, weeks, studying love and rejection. Rejection is one of the, I think, single-handedly, the most powerful emotion you have. Because rejection, I was reading an article, a paper by, uh, I can't remember his name, but he did a study on on social rejection. He took people and he put them in crowds and um, he intentionally made them reject one person and he began to test their um, the blood and began to test the hormones in their body. And they began to realize that these people who began continually rejected started feeling pain in the parts of their brains. And your hi- hippocampus is, is responsible for much of your uh, memory and it's, it's, it's powerful because when it begins to be activated, it literally begin you begin to feel actual pain. So the rejection you feel goes from being social to mental and from mental to physical. And now physical turns into your everyday life. And now they're so used to being rejected that now it becomes something. And now they have to physically take a medication. He figured out that if he could give these people every time they rejected uh, uh, Tylenol, that they would eventually feel better. But the problem is that they became so dependent on the Tylenol every single time that as they began rejected and rejected and rejected and rejected more, they needed more satisfaction so these people begin to isolate themselves in order to alleviate the pain they didn't want to be around people and so they begin to push away and i found myself there at times and even at times i felt that way from god because god you you didn't do what i said i needed you to do god you you weren't there god when when all that those things happened god you could have stopped it that's the greatest Greatest thing I've ever heard. Scariest thing I've ever heard. You could have stopped it, God. You could have wiped away every tear, and you didn't. And I've asked God so many times, God, I, I, don't, I don't understand why you didn't. I don't understand why, why you, can, you can literally make the world perfect. You can literally make every, all COVID completely disappear like that. And you don't. And I am convinced that the reason God doesn't is because if he does it, we don't give him the credit anyways. And sometimes God takes our heartache and our heartbreaks because he's trying to mold us into something better. And so as we, as I begin to read Romans 8, it's, it's, it's a beautiful, I, I love Romans altogether because it, he's talk, Paul's talking about the love of God. What shall separate us from the love of God? Nothing. And this morning, I, I'm not, I'm not going to be much longer. Sister Carter, you can go and come. I wanted to, to tell someone this. If you've never heard this in your life, 
that Jesus loved you. You wouldn't believe how many people I've met that have never heard that. But you wouldn't believe how many people I've met that never believed that. Because God loves you enough that he woke you up on a Sunday morning and said, I'm going to bring you to life, church. God loved you enough that he gave you an opportunity to experience his power and his authority. And when provision, physical provision runs out, he's the God who provides. And in our moments of weaknesses, in our moments where it feels like the world is caving in, God's saying, I love you. I love you. And in this moment in my life, I have prayed the prayer more times, God, I need you. Because I've realized that when people fail me, when, when, when my, my parents fail me, when my friends fail me, where church people fail me, when life just fails me and gives me bitter waters, I know this is not the end. Because there's a promise. Canaan was not heaven. It was not heaven. Because there were giants there. But Canaan was still their destiny. It was still exactly where they're supposed to be. And how many of us this morning are living below the potential, or living below outside the promise because we've convinced ourselves that that's not ours? I don't deserve this. I don't. I wish I could. I stand up here and I, I said this in, in the meeting in January or February when we had the meeting. I don't deserve any of this. In fact, most Sunday mornings I get here for practice and I sit at the piano and I say, God, I don't know why. I don't know why. But God is speaking to someone this morning and he's already done it. But I believe God's not finished with someone this morning. He's speaking and saying, it's yours. It's yours. And every time you felt rejected and every time you felt alone and every time you felt like the world was caving in on you, Jesus is speaking and saying, my love is yours. My provision is yours. The power is yours. You've just got to accept it. You've just got to be willing to say, God, it's mine. It's mine. When the world says no, God says yes. When the world gives up on you, when the world says you're not enough, he says I am. When the world tells you that you're too dumb, you're not smart enough, God says, but you are. You're my child. And if God can open up a Red Sea for you, for Israel or then God can open up a Red Sea in your life. God can open up a door at a job. God can open up a door in your personal life. But you've got to be willing to accept the fact that God is exactly who He says He is. Would you stand this morning? God's already done a work this morning. But I'm wondering if there's someone for just a few moments can begin to lift your hands this morning. And to begin to accept that who God says he is is exactly who he says he is. And because he is, is who he says he is, you are exactly who he says you are. That you are not weak. That you are not incompetent. That you are not a mistake. 
that God has divinely planted you in, at Life Church this morning. And that God's love and His mercy is running from Calvary because He's not forgotten about you. That you're not too far gone. That you're not worthless. But God died on a cross 2,000 years ago so that you might receive life and have life more abundantly. That's who God says you are. Lift your hands in the name of Jesus. We plead the blood over their minds caught in their hearts. I speak life into their bones, Jesus. The pain, the hurt, God. The rejection, the fear, the anxiety, Jesus. Yes, it's on this side of the Red Sea. But your hand is speaking this morning into their lives, God. There's healing power. There's deliverance, Jesus. There's a supernatural power beginning healing hearts, Jesus. Because that's exactly who you say you are, God. That you're turning the morning into dancing, Jesus. That you're giving them hope when there was none, God. That you're giving them something, God. That can sustain them. That your provisions are providing for them. That on this side of the Red Sea, you are still the way maker that you are still the provider that your sickness god sickness cannot stay fear cannot stay anxiety cannot stay depression cannot stay jesus you are in this place because god that's who you say you are i feel god beginning to speak for just a few moments continue lifting your hands god God, we love you, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. That is who you are, God. God, we love you, Jesus. You're a way maker. You're my miracle worker. You're my provider, Jesus. Come on, God's still moving. God's still speaking. Jesus, we love you, God. Jesus, we love you. God, we love you, God.